Thank you, God, for you being God. You're an awesome Lord. Thank you for what you're saying. Thank you for what you're doing. We open our hearts. We give ourselves to you, and we align with who you are, and we align with your word. Thank you for speaking. Thank you for worship. Thank you for vision. Thank you for being God. Now we submit to you to hear from you again. In your name we pray and thank you. Amen. Amen. Come on, give God a hand praise. Amen. Bless you. Bless you. Hallelujah, Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. Amen. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord as they bring the house light up. God is awesome, isn't he? Yeah, God is awesome. God is phenomenal. God is wonderful. God is gracious. Amen. Do me a favor. Um, turn with me to the book of Numbers, chapter 13. Um, we still have a little bit of stuff to do. There's communion service immediately following, so we're going to flow right into that. And as Pastor Derek said, to those new members that are here for our new members class, it's going to be in our admin area. So we want to invite you to uh, shortly after church to head over to that. Um, we're looking forward to what God is doing. Numbers chapter 13. Um, we are at the end of this series, but there's another series we're going to be flowing into um, that just kind of flows in the same vein. And so um, it's been a long time in the Exodus, but you must obey God. Amen? We must obey God when it relates to what God is saying and how he is moving in our midst. Look at verse 31 of Numbers chapter 13. And um, this Sunday I'm in, I'm in the New International Version. I think the um, ESV reads pretty close to this. It's the NIV 84. So if you're there, say amen. Verse 31 says, But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report or a negative report about the land they had explored. And they said, The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size, and we saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak came from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. Wow. Verse 33. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak. They came from Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. If you've been around this church any length of time or hanging out with me any length of time, uh, this is a message that I have shared before. I want to revisit it on the back end of this series to kind of position us to move to the next place of God and to motivate us not to go back to Egypt. Turn to your neighbor real quick and say, neighbor, be aware of the dangers of grasshopper mentality. Yeah, yeah. Tell the other neighbor. Say, other neighbor. Be aware of the dangers of grasshopper mentality. Yeah, yeah. Last week, last week, last week, when we left the Israelites, they were sitting at the bottom of Sinai, and we saw how God gave Moses and Aaron an invitation to come up to the mountain and um, speak to him directly. And if you were here Wednesday, we really dealt with that extensively Wednesday. Some great sharing was going on by you, the membership. So if you don't come on Wednesday, we want to encourage you to connect with us on that. This week, as we pick the series up, they have 
moved from Sinai and God has spoken plainly to the Israelites. He has given them all the word they're going to need to do what he wants them to do. They have received the Ten Commandments. They've received all the Levitical law. They've received a good portion of the laws from the book of Numbers. And they are positioned, you would think they would be positioned, to do all that God would have them to do. After all, they had experienced God. They had seen God move. They've been in the place with God. And, and in, more importantly, in the presence with God. So today... I want us to fast forward from Sinai all around the wilderness and all that sojourning they did and all the Amalekites and every person and tribe that they encountered to be sitting right on the brink of Jordan, I mean of, of Canaan. And where the Israelites are camped today, they're camped at this place called Kadesh Barnea. Come on, say that with me. Say Kadesh Barnea. Come on, say it like your Hebrew. Just say Kadesh Barnea. Yeah. <laughs> so here they are, and, 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 and they sit right outside the brink of their promised land. And remember with me, the reason they are here is because God did not create the Israelites to live life in Egypt. Come on, that's an amen right there. I don't know about you, but God didn't create me to live life in Egypt, and God did not create you to live life solely in Egypt. There is a Canaan for you. And if you listen to the presentation that was made er earlier, I said to you, for Restoration Christian Fellowship, our Canaan is realizing this vision that God has given us to have such community impact, such that if the church were to close its door, the community would rally around us and say, we need them because God placed this church here to impact this community. So our Canaan is this vision. You have a Canaan. You have something more that God has given you that God has called you to do. So here now, I want you to position yourself as God has brought you out at the base of Canaan. I'm in this location called Kadesh Barnea, and God now is about to give further instructions on how to inhabit the land. And we're going to conclude this series on Exodus moving from slavery to Canaan there. So go with me now to the top of chapter 13 and look with me um, in verse 1, and let me read verse 1 through 2a. Uh, I just want to read that with me. Say amen if you're back up at verse 1. Now I'm just setting up what I want to share with you. Notice verse 1 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, and I love this next phrase, which I am giving to the Israelites. Now, now, church, that's an important phrase that we need not press on too fast from. The Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. Now, just a footnote as we kind of move through some literary context stuff, it's important for you to not miss in verse 1 that the land already belonged to the Israelites. I need an amen right there. Come on, y'all. The land already belonged to the Israelites. Now, of importance is it doesn't matter who was inhabiting the land at the time. Fact of the matter is it still belonged. Are you hearing me this morning? to the Israelites, because I love the way God sets this up and he calls Moses to pen this. He says, Moses, I am giving it to them. Ah, 
<laughs> Anybody in here know that if God has something for you, it doesn't matter who has that thing at the present time, it's already yours. Come on, are you with me? If God has a ministry, if God has a blessing, if he has vision, if he has something, a business, whatever it is that God has called you to you, if it's a word released from heaven that God said it's yours, I need you to understand with me this morning, it is yours. Come on, are you with me? Now, let me give this away. The problem with me and the problem with you is the reason we don't go get it is because we don't see how we can do it. Oh, can we be all right this morning and just talk for a little while? Okay. But the land already belonged to the Israelites. And, and I said this throughout the duration of the series, but I'll repeat it again just for the sake of your hearing. Isaiah puts it this way. As the water comes down from the earth, from the heaven and hits the earth and does not return without first watering it, here's what God says. So is my word. It shall not return to me void unless it accomplishes that which I sent it to do. So the good news in that, if God has released a word over your life, it doesn't matter matter what the situation looks like. It doesn't matter what the circumstance look like. Come on, that thing is as good as done. Come on, say amen this morning. It's as good as done. And, and since we're talking vision here, when we started this church back on February 24th, 1999, with the little hand folk, and some of you are still here, and I praise God for you, where we were in the basement of my house, if I were to say to you, we would be here today, you'd look at me, we don't have the people, we don't have the resources, we don't have the know-how, how in the world are we going to accomplish this? I would say to you, but God said, <laughs> are you with me? And when God says something, that's all we need to, to go on is we walk and we move on the word of the Lord. So here's what he says in verse 1. God said to Moses, send some people to explore, to explore. To, come on, say to explore. Say it again. Say to explore. Now, here, here's the thing I want you all to lock into. Due diligence. Yeah, due diligence. Yeah, yeah, due diligence. Yeah, that means check the word out. Yeah, yeah, there's a spirit in me and there's a spirit in you. If I come to you and I said God told me to tell you and you do your due diligence and you don't hear nothing. Are you with me? That's the importance of your relationship with God. When somebody comes and tells you, thus saith the Lord, it ought to align with the God that's already in you. So here's what God says. Do your due diligence. And notice what he says. I'm going to read this. From each ancestral tribe, he says, send one of the leaders. So verse 3 kind of gives you a, 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 a um, what you call this, background information or the tribal information is what I want to get. Look at verse 3. So the Lord commanded Moses, send them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. These are their names, okay? And the list gives you a list of 12 elders or leaders or tribal, um, if you want to call them um, ancestors from the, the 12 tribes of Israel. Of importance, I want to point out two names. Go down to verse 6. Look at verse 6. You guys are there? From the tribe of what? From the tribe of what? From the tribe of what? Does anybody in here know that Judah really connects with praise? Yeah, does anybody know that? 
Okay, so something about when we learn to praise God and worship God and hear from God, he sends Caleb, son of Jephunneh, okay? Jump down to verse 8. From verse 8 it says, from the tribe of Ephraim, Hosea, the son of Nun. Um, and then jump all the way down to verse 16. These are the names of the men Moses sent to explore the land. Moses gave Hosea, son of Nun, the name what? Yeah. Come on, say Caleb and Joshua. Come on, two important names. Say Caleb and Joshua. Okay, here's the importance of Caleb. He, Caleb, he hears God from a position of praise. Here's the importance of Joshua. He hears God from hanging out in the presence of God. Why do you say that, preacher? If you were with me last week, you would notice that when Moses went up to the mountain the second time, who did he take with him? Ah... Come on, are you with me? So it's important if we're going to act on the word of God, it requires praise and it requires hanging out in the presence of God. We're going to see this in a little while. I just need to lay this foundation. So he sends 12 individuals to do due diligence in this place that God is giving the Israelites. Now look with me now at the exploration. Look at verse 17. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, go up through the Negev. And on into the hill country. And notice what it says. See what the land is like. Whether the people who live there are strong or weak. Few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is the land good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are the walls, um, are they unwalled or fort, uh, fortified? Verse 20. How is the soil? Is it fertile or is it poor? Are there three trees in it or not? And look at the next phrase. Do your best to bring back some evidence that God had spoken. Y'all see that? Do your best to bring back the fruit of the land. And look at the next phrase. It was the season for what? The first ripe grapes. So listen to this. Timing was very critical. If you waited after the season of grapes, the likelihood of you bringing something back. So it's very, very important for us to be in tune in moving in the moment, in the voice, in the right now of God. Okay, so now let me slow down and just give you some insight into the exploration instructions. These are very, very, very important instructions. Look at verse 17. Moses sent them to explore Canaan, and he said, go up to the valley and on the hill country, and then notice what he says about the land. See what the land is like, okay? Whether the people who live there are strong or what? Weak. See how many of them in there. Are they few or are there many? Look at verse 19. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or is it bad? Notice what he's saying. What kind of towns do they live in? Are they wall, unwalled or fortified? And verse 20, how is the soil? Is it fertile or is it poor? Are there trees in it or not? And do your best to bring back some of what? 
the fruit of the land. Now, this is important stuff that Moses has been asking because you've got to remember with me, for 400 years, they've been living in Egypt and they've been wandering in the wilderness in this desert land for all this time and they hadn't seen fertility in quite a while. And then here's God releasing a word even before they got into Egypt. I'm going to bless you with a land flowing with milk and honey where, come on, I mean, you've got pomegranates of these great size and grapes of these great size. I'm, going to, I'm just going to do phenomenal phenomenal things for you. This is what God is saying. So here's Moses' the, the due diligence. Check to see if what God said is really so. Now, of importance, before I move to the next section, Moses did not send them to see if they could take the land or not. Y'all got quiet on Here is how we approach God-sized task. We go look at it. Man, yeah, it's going to take God. But we look at it through the lens of what we have and what we can do versus what God instructed us to do. The reason a lot of us have not excelled in life yet and the reason a lot of us have not made it to the other side of our dreams and aspirations is not because God's word has not yet come true. It's because we sized the assignment up through our filters and our abilities. And here's what we said, I can't do that. The instruction was not to go see what you can do. Oh, come on, y'all. Talk to me this morning. The instruction was not to go see what you can do. The instruction was to go see and verify what God said. Ah, come on. I just need two witnesses to say amen. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. I just need a couple of people just to say amen and lock into me. The instruction was to go see what God says. In verse 20, and here's Moses, if the soil is fertile, man, bring back some evidence so we can know y'all are not lying. So we can know y'all are not making this stuff up. So that I can run into the filters of what God said to me. So I can know God really did say what God said he's going to do. Okay? Now look at this, look at this, look at this. Verse 21, this is striking to me. So they, the 12, they, the 12, they went up and they explored the land from the desert of Zin as far as Rehob toward Lebo of Hamath. And they went up to the Negev and came to Hebron um, where Ahiman, Sheshai, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, lived. Hebron had been built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. Verse 23, when they reached the valley of Eschol, that's the valley of grapes, it says pointedly, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes, okay? And notice this, two of them carried it on a pole between them along with some pomegranates and figs, and it says that place was called the valley of Eschol because the cluster of grapes um, because of the cluster of grapes, the Israelites cut up from there. Verse 25, at the end of 40 days, they return from exploring the land. Now, now let me share this with you. Important data, then we're going to move on really quick. I just need to say this real quick. Moses was leading the Israelites. Now, here's what you need to know. 
prior, prior to Moses um, being called to deliver the Israelites and prior to the Israelites being enslaved in Egypt, and this is very, very important that you notice and not miss this, before all of that happened, back in the book of Genesis, we had this fella by the name of Abraham who had a son by the name of Isaac and Jacob. Come on, y'all know those fellas, right? Now, what you need to know is, is those people back in that time literally lived in the land of Canaan. Y'all look and be like, what? <laughs> Remember with me, pre-Egypt, God had released a famine over the entire earth, and this Canaan that used to be prosperous, that used to be productive, that used to have fertile soil, and used to have, I mean, grapes the size of pomegranates, that used to have watermelons the size of tank trucks, and that used to be so fertile, it was hit with a famine, and they couldn't grow nothing anymore. Y'all do remember Joseph, don't you? That was all in Canaan. Come on, y'all. Come on. Then the famine struck. And remember with me, lock into this, God then positioned Joseph in Egypt so that he can prosper Egypt and move his people out of this barren land and put them in Egypt for a while so they can survive the famine. But survival of the famine turned into 400 years. Now, here's what you need to hear for 400 years. Man, back home, we didn't make bricks out of straw. Back home, we had coconuts, man, and, 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 and grapes the size of pomegranates. Back home. Back home, we had figs that were so sweet, you didn't need sugar. I mean, you just pour your coffee and drop a grape or a pomegranate. Man, back home, back home. Are you with me? Y'all know about back home, collard greens and chitlins, and y'all know about back home and sweet potato pie. Come on. Y'all, don't act like you don't know about back home. You're in Colorado. You're talking about back home. I'm going back home to get me some pig feet with, come on, y'all. Now, a bunch of sinners eating pig feet. No, I'm just kidding. All right. but, yeah, but, but you know about back home, are you? And, and when you go to a strange land, the memories of back home keeps you alive in the foreign place. And every now and then, you got to take a journey back home just to remember what it was like. But lock into this. They couldn't go back home. Then God releases them and God sends them back home. And now all of a sudden, they're at the brink. And here's the instruction. Hey, man, while we're in Egypt, I heard about, they hadn't witnessed, I heard about, my ancestor said, it used to be like this. My ancestor said, it used to look like that. Come on, y'all. My ancestor said, this is what's here. So here's Moses. When you go, see if, if, if it's no longer a famine. See if the trees grew back. I wish I had somebody here. See if the grapes have come back. See if it really is like what it used to be like. See if indeed God is going to do what he's going to do. And that's why the author puts in there parenthetically, it was the season of break because the timing was right. And I like this. Text says they go and show enough. Grapes were so big, it took two of those brothers just to carry that's some grapes, y'all. Come on, y'all. That's, come on, y'all. That's, that, that's some pomegranates. That's, that's, I mean, they're they, they struggling with this stuff because it's so big. 
they can't wait to get back. They're like, man, wait till Moses see this, man. And here's Joshua. Man, you got that? No, come on. And they, I mean, I can't carry this by myself. I've never seen nothing like this in my entire life. Man, God, God said it. His word is true. <laughs> then it takes two of them to carry the thing back. Are you with me? It takes two of them to return back with it. Now, look at verse 26. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh, Barnea, in the desert of Paran. There they, plural, all 12, reported to them and to the whole assembly, and they what? They what? Everybody got to say that. They what? Showed them the what? Fruit of the land. They gave this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and man, those cows, they about to bust. He said it just like that. It flows with milk, the honeycombs, Lord Jesus. And here is what? Now, now I need to pause there before I even read the rest. Here's a testimony that they're given to Moses and them. <laughs> Man, we got there, and I tell you what, God is there because sure enough, here's the fruit of the land. Here is everything God said. Here is the promise of what God has done. God is not lying. His word really is faithful. Man, you hit that thing dead on, Moses, because God is there. Now, the reason I want to point that out is because if you've been in this ministry any length of time, where we are today is not where we were yesterday. I need y'all to hear him because there's been times when we've sought God and say, God, what next? And God said, what next? Then he says, go survey the land, and we go survey the land. And where we are today is the result of the faithfulness of God that when you go with God and when you move with God and when you trust God, not based on what you have, but based on God, what God says, it makes all the difference in the world. I've said this to y'all time and time again. Let me just say it one more time. You're looking at a crazy preacher that has Moses' faith that when we first started this church, we were in this small place in Colfax, um, and then the, the city ended up having to relocate us, and we wanted to move down to... Um, Right here on Norfolk, I go meet with the businessman at Norfolk. I've said this to y'all before, and the businessman says, hey, it's going to take a down payment. How much money do you have? And I looked at him, and I said, none. And you know when you talk to rich people, and you say zero, their eyebrows kind of just, you can tell it really quick. Yeah. He's like, none? I'm like, no, we don't. Not. So it's like, why are you talking to me? Because God said. Are you? Are you with me? And, and, and listen to this. I believe God. And here's his response. I kid you not. Have you heard it before? Hey, man, I, 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 he was respectful. Hey, Pastor Felix, I respect your God, and I respect what God said to you. But my God is green. Straight up. And if there's no money, we can't do business. I kid you not. I said to that guy, I came to check out the grapes and the pomegranates. <laughs> and God said, the long and short of it all, we moved into that place with zero dollars. Y'all not hearing me. Are you with me? 
and God proved himself faithful, and we grew past that. Let me keep giving you testimonies for the faithfulness of God. Here we are, we've outgrown that place a little bit, and the ministry is expanding, but we have this vision, and this vision that we have that you saw on the screen did not begin this year. The vision that you saw on the screen was the same vision we had February 24th, 1st, 1999. Now, I want you to imagine with me. Imagine a crazy preacher with a group of elders telling about 20 people, we're going to do what you just saw on the screen. Y'all not hearing me. Y'all not hearing me. Are you with me? But when you have a word from the Lord, you move on the word of the Lord. It's not what you have. It's all about what God can do. Here we are, and we're there, we're growing, and I believe, surely you are one of those persons that came and walked around this place, and they walked around like they were crazy praying, you know, seven times, and came back past the God, then showed us Canaan. I'm like, where's it at? <laughs> and I kid you not, we came down, this was a, 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 what you see now, you have no idea. Let me just, this is free. You guys don't understand the amount of scriptures that are behind every one of those walls. Y'all don't, don't have no clue about the amount of scriptures that are written inside of the walls that we were doing what we're doing. But to make it short, they came and said, hey, God says we're going to take that shopping center. And of course, you've got your spies that come back and says, we're unable, but look at us today. Okay? Faithfulness of God set out in the parking lot. You heard me say on the screen, all the vacant land around the property we already own. The, do the owner donated $2.3 million worth of property to a bunch of broke people. It doesn't matter who's in the land. If God says it, the land is already, I wish I had somebody in here. It's already yours. Yay. Here's the free one. We moved in here and we said, oh, we can't have a liquor store on our property as if we own the liquor store. We released the prayer warriors. Today, that liquor store is gone and a youth center is being built. It doesn't matter who inhabits the land. If I wish I had somebody in here, if God says it, you move on the work of God and you do what God says. Don't let the inhabitants discourage you. Bob and I got this joke about Lady Fitness. We have this joke that we said, hey, we can really use all that equipment when they move out. <laughs> For our fitness ministry. I believe God like that, guys. Are you hearing me? Especially when I'm carrying the grapes in my hand. You can't believe him if you haven't seen the grapes. I put a little snippet in there of me laying on the hospital bed when the enemy tried to take me out. Come on, with cancer and says, man, you ain't going to make it. What you see now is not what the doctor said seven years ago. I am not supposed to be standing in front of you. But if God says you're going to be in the land, it doesn't matter who inhabits the land. You must do what God says do. Are you hearing me? A lot of us can't get to our Canaan because we don't believe what God says. Let me read this and wrap this up. I want to get to this. Look at this, what it says here. Verse 27, they gave Moses this account. We went into the land. The milk and honey's there. Here's the fruit. 
28. But. I just hate that word. But. Yeah, I just, I just, I don't like it. We know what God said, but. Here's how it applies in our life. God says, trust me. Yeah, God, I trust you, but. Whenever you do that, you just discounted. Doesn't matter whether you're holding grapes or not. Grapes plus but equals no move of God in your life. Yeah, I think I'm going to write a book on that one. Grapes plus but. <laughs> Watch this. Watch this. The people who live there are powerful. The cities are fortified, very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Man, God, there's, there's some stuff in there. There's people in it. Come on, y'all. There, there's people in it. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, shut up, all y'all. Bunch of non-worshiping, non-praying. Let me stop before I get in trouble. Um, <laughs> we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the man who had gone up with them said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites, I'll prefer the word negative, a negative report about the land they had explored. And they said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anah came from the Nephilim. We seem like grasshopper in our own eyes. And we look, what? The same to them. We seem as grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we seem the same to who? Turn your neighbor real quick, say neighbor. Beware, Beware of the dangers of grasshopper mentality. Come on, tell the other neighbor. Say other neighbor. Beware of the danger of grasshopper mentality. True story, and this may sound self-aggrandizing, but I'm just saying this to encourage you, not for personal gain or anything like that. Um, at 24 years old, I think it was 23, I um, got out the military, um, was in college, graduated from college at the same time, and um, lived in Tucson. And then I moved up to the east side of Tucson from where I was living, about central Tucson. And my friend said to me, you figure I'm 25, 23, 24, 25, run the street with my boys. Hey, dude, why are you moving up there? I'm going to work for IBM. They're like, you okay? Yeah. So I'm going to work for IBM. And here's the first thing they said, and please, nobody don't get offended, okay? Dude, how are you going to work for IBM? Some of y'all got it, some didn't. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got a word. So I bought a house on the east side. Within six months of me buying this house, IBM calls, and I'm working for IBM. It wasn't about what I had. It was about what God can do. Now, the reason 
I had to work for IBM, now that I look back, I didn't know this then, is because God needed IBM to move me to Denver so I could be, y'all just, y'all just, y'all just, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 he need, it's just like he used the Air Force to move me from San Antonio to Tucson so I can pick Catani up. Come on, y'all. Come on. And, and so he can take me and Catani and move us out to Denver. Come on. So we can do what you, you've got to understand that when you, you're trusting God, you're not made for Egypt. So don't get comfortable in Egypt. There's a Canaan that God has in store for you, but you've got to trust him to get to your Canaan. You got to trust him. Three dangers of grasshopper mentality that I'm done. The first one, negative thinking. Come on, say negative thinking. Say it again, say negative thinking. There is nothing more dangerous in a ministry that's trying to realize vision. And please, y'all don't get offended. People that are spreading a bad report against the word of the Lord. There's nothing that'll slow you down from realizing your Canaan more than family members or friends in your life that are spreading a negative report trying to encourage you about what you can't do or discourage you, if I could use that term, about what you can't do. And every time you say you're going to do something, here they go like crabs in a bucket pulling you back down because they don't have the faith themselves to know what God can do. Get rid of negative thinking. Are you hearing me? If there's one thing I don't have around me, it's people that tell me what I can't do. Are you with? And it's not so much about me or my ability. It's all about what God says. And I've got to learn to position myself like a Caleb in the presence of worship and the presence of prayer. And I've got to be like Joshua where I live in the heart and flow in the heartbeat of God so that when God speaks, regardless of how crazy it looks, I move. Are you hearing me this morning? Say self. Lose the negative thinkers. So listen, 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 listen. Y'all need to do me a favor. For now, to the duration of the church, when somebody comes with you neg something negative, just go like that, ah, grasshopper mentality. And turn a deaf ear. Okay? Second danger of grasshopper mentality, over-exaggeration. That's a huge one. Over-exaggeration. Let me tell you what I mean. We go in there, and we explore the land, and here's how they said. We look like grasshoppers in their eyes. And then try to justify themselves. And when they looked at us, they saw us as grasshoppers. Nowhere in the text does it say the descendants of Anak saw them. It's how they visualized themselves. How you see you is more important than how others see you. Because if you don't know how you see you, you're going to allow culture to define what you really look like. And so... 
If you think you're pretty but culture says you're ugly, guess what you're going to do? Think you're ugly. Are you, come on, are you with me? If you think you're a failure and culture, come on, how you see you is a lot more important than how culture sees you. That's why it is important that you know who you are in Christ. Do I have any witnesses here? Are you hearing me? Okay, now let me say this real quick, and I'm going to go on to the last, the, the last two things that I want to share with you. Don't have time to really deal with this. The mistake that these Israelites made while surveying Canaan is that they should have compared the occupants of the land not to themselves, but they should have compared them to God. Oh, come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on this morning. I have learned in my life to always compare the obstacle to God, not to myself. Don't compare that thing to yourself. Compare it to God. Had they compared it to God, they would have realized he's the beginner of the beginning, yet he never began to be. Had they compared it to God, they'd realize he is who he was. He was what he is, and what he is and was, he always shall be. Had they compared him to God, they'd realize words like start, stop, and finish had no reference to him. Had they compared him to God, they'd realize that age couldn't time him and time couldn't age him. Come on, come on. Had they compared him to God, they'd realize that nouns couldn't describe him and verbs had no reference to the actions that he performs. Had they compared him to God, they'd realize that he is the almighty, the I am that the I am, and nothing is impossible for him. I am trying to tell you it's not what you have or I have. It's all about what God can do. Thirdly, negative thinking over exaggeration. And here's the third thing. Grasshopper mentality makes you want to go back to Egypt. I don't even know how to talk about this one without offending folk. So I'm being quiet. <laughs> For me, let me just put it this way. Egypt is the old lifestyle I left behind. Egypt is the old Felix that I left behind. Egypt is the old mindset, come on y'all, that I left behind. Egypt is the less than concept that I left behind. Are you with me? Egypt was the place where I made bricks out of straw. Egypt was the place where I couldn't excel in life because old man had me down. Egypt is yesterday, and I have no intention that once God brings me out and sets me on a path to ever want to go back to where I was. For some of us in here, Egypt is the drug houses that we left behind. Egypt is the abusive relationships that you've left behind. Egypt is the whole marriage. It's the bankruptcy. It's the, the lying, the stealing, the cheating, the things that kept us in bondage. Bondage, and unless we get rid of grasshopper mentality, you will always be forced to think about going back to Egypt. And here's how we get there. In the wait. Remember that? In the wait. God, you're quiet, so I know what I'm going to do. Choose a new leader who will take me back. I don't know about y'all, but negative thinking over-exaggeration and the desire to go back to Egypt, no way. I can't see us going back to Colfax. I can't see us going back to the basement of my house. Come on, y'all. 
And here's how Moses said it to God. Hey, God, what will people say? You brought them out, then you let them fail? Are you with me, guys? Come on, anybody in here? Let me read this, then I'm going to stop. Go with me. Go with me. Stay there. Go with me to, to chapter 14. And let me just say this last thing. That night, all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. The Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron and the whole assembly and said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in the desert, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and our children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, We should choose a leader, Lord. Go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the assembly and gathered together. Jake, Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore his clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. Here's Shirley's word this morning. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into the land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people in the land. But we will swallow them up. Why? Because their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Let me say this this way. Y'all know Joshua later on. And so me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Here's where I am. We are at our Kadesh Barnea, about to enter Canaan. Fully functional in five is what we said, fully facilitated in ten. And we set out on this ten-year path to realize this vision that God has given us. And I think we are in a critical juncture in the life of this ministry because it's the season of the grapes. <laughs> yeah, it's the season of the grapes, meaning we have more than enough testimonies of the faithfulness of God. Because everything that we have done so far had nothing to do with us, but everything about what God can do. Nobody in here can say I wrote that million-dollar check or that $50,000 check. It was people who didn't have anything trust in God. Come on, y'all. Come on. Come on. And so God gets the glory, not the investor. Come on, are you hearing me this morning? So here we are at the brink of Canaan. And metaphorically speaking, Joshua and Caleb are saying, who's in? Because I'm with God, and I'm in. Are you with me? Or are you going to make decision to say, I'm out. I don't trust God like that. Here's the consequence of not trusting God. If you read this story, the 40 years of wilderness wandering did not begin up until this point in the life of the Israelites. It was dependent on who's in or who's out. Now, I need to say this very, very importantly. Who's in 
has nothing to do with what you have. Who's in has nothing to do with what I have or what you have, but it has everything to do with what God can do. Are you hearing me this morning, church? I need you all to be very, very carefully. So when the statement is made by Joshua and Caleb, hey, man, we can take this, we can do it, it wasn't because they had such great military power or they had these tanks or they had some might, but, man, they had a God who would fight for them, a God who they trust, a God who they could lean, and a God on who they can depend on. And where we are at this juncture in the life of the ministry, we are forced to have to depend on God like we have never depended on God before. I'm crazy enough to believe that every graphic we show you on the screen is going to be realized. Are you hearing me? I'm, 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 just, I'm just crazy enough to do that, okay? And I'm also crazy enough to, to believe that because God said it, all I need to do is do my part and walk it out and watch what God is going to do. Are you hearing me? If you were to ask our elders how we started the academy that's across the street that I'm praying y'all get some time to, to look at, it's not that we had a million dollars sitting in the bank. It was just, it was the season of grapes. <laughs> and we went and plucked some grapes and said, God's in it. Are you with me? And you partner with God. So my challenge, my challenge as we, I want to put that last slide on the screen. I want to put this, then we're going to, pray and put the next one up, if, if you will, with me. I want y'all to see this, and then here's what I want to challenge every person here. Pray. Don't freak out. Don't panic. Don't none of that stuff. I want us to believe God to provide you with the resource to sacrificially give above your tithe towards RCF to us being fully functional by the end of 2015. So here's a prayer. To have every member partner with us or the ministry by giving $1,000. Some of you might be able to do that before August. And you hear me say we want to liquidate outstanding tax debt and some by December 15. But I'm going to be so clear with you. I am not asking any person that don't have that to say, don't pay your mortgage to give to the church. Don't pay your tie to give to the church. Don't pay your car payment to give to the church. I'm saying... Trust God to give seed for the harvest. That's what I'm saying. Are you with me? I want to be very clear about that. Um, you know, trust God to give seed for the harvest. But you can't trust God if you don't make the commitment that you're trusting him for. So I'm not going to ask for anything today. I'm just going to say we're going to pray, go home and pray. And on the 17th, we'll, we have Mother's Day next week. We have a Mother's Day ceremony, 17th. We'll show that video, talk about it a little more. We're going to give you some cards next week for you to commit to what God can ask you to do. So we're just asking people to be in with us, right? Just to be in. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. And it's not what you have. It's what God can do. I'm going to keep saying that because if I were to ask the average, the, the majority of us in here, heck, I don't have it. You don't. I know that. We know that. We know what we don't have. And the giants are still in the land. It doesn't matter who occupies the land. It's not about what we have. I want you all to hear me this morning. It's just what God's going to do. Somebody's saying, where is it going to come from? It's going to come from God. 
Are you hearing me? But you have to give him room to work. Crazy little dude again back in 19, was it, 83, 84, uh, moved to the east side of Tucson. I had to position myself so God could use me. Right? You have to position yourself as a vehicle so God can use you. Pray, trust God. No grasshopper mentality, negative thinking, over-exaggeration. Well, that's too big for us. Well, that's what we want. Do it. We don't need God. Right? If it's within our power, why pray? Just do it. But trust in God is going above and beyond what God is able to do. Bow your heads with me.